Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. It's also the time where colors seem to shine brightly all around us. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. This season also brings with it emotions and challenges of many different colors. In this series, we will be connecting colors with hot topics and hope to shed some truth that will help make this season the best it can be. We hope you enjoy. All right, let's give it up for the worship team. Woo! My goodness, that was good stuff. And uh, let's give it up for Kay Millard and her team for all the decorations. I, I know some of you, you're like the Grinch and you're like, ah, get over it. It's okay. I love this. I love it. I love the, how the lobby looks. I love this and uh, our Christmas tree and your faces, most of them. No, no, no. Hey, and for those of you listening to us online, thank you for joining us. Hey, we're going to start a brand new series and I'll give you a hint. The name of it's on the screen. Can you say what the name of it is? Ready? One, two, three. Colors of Christmas. Let's say it again. Colors of Christmas. And here's the challenge I want to give you as uh, your pastor is I would love to challenge you to be here for all the colors. And every color is going to represent something. Because, you know, you think about Christmas and you can't help but to think about colors. At least I can't. You know, you drive down the street at night and you get to see all these colors on these houses, you know, decorated in beautiful ways, and you see trees decorated. You see the mall kind of come alive and with all these beautiful colors, and actually you start wearing some different colors. Like we just had our staff Christmas party, uh, our staff and the elders on Friday night and their spouses. Let's give it up for them, you know. It was a great night. So fortunate to have a great team that I get to be a part of and that we get to be a part of. And um, I'll just call it out. Pastor John even wore a bright green sweater. Yeah, you might, you might ask him to rock it because he rocked it, definitely. All kinds of different colors. But I also know this about the holiday season. The holiday season also brings with it a lot of different emotions. Right? So not just colors, But the holiday season brings with it a lot of emotions. So in this series, what I want to do is bring the two together. And you got to remember, when I plan these series, it's six months out. So there's two times a year. I just got away for next year's first six months. But think about this. I'm on the beach in Ventura in March thinking about what am I going to be preaching (laughs) in Christmas. But I, I am so looking forward to this series, and I'm so looking forward to sharing with you Um, what is on my heart today, because not all colors are positive, not all emotions are positive, but not all emotions are negative, and not all uh, colors are negative either, amen? So we're going to go on this journey together. Let's pray. God, um, I don't deserve to be alive today. I would guess that we don't deserve to be alive today, but for whatever reason, you have given us another day. And I'm grateful that we have chosen to sit in the color purple seats or at home or driving, whatever, wherever we're at, to just experience you, to listen to you, and maybe cry out to you. Whatever the feeling or the emotion that represents our life today, whatever color that is, God, we are praying that you would allow this time with you to be a time where we are filled with hope, where we're filled with courage where we're inspired by you, Lord, and we are reminded of what is important and what is not. God, help me uh, to communicate your truths in a clear and impactful way. 
I pray this through uh, the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. So I want to introduce our first color. I know you're just sitting on the edge of your purple seats wondering or at home wondering, what is it? But we spare no expense here at West Valley Christian Church. So I invited a guest to help us know what the first color is. So let's listen to our guest. Come on, you're allowed to. Christmas. There you go, you're allowed to. Come on. All right. You got it? You feeling it? All right. Now, a lot of you are going to want me to keep playing this, but I'm going to have to say, Elvis, thank you for coming, but you're done. Now, here's what I need to let you know. I don't know why I'm doing this again, but Pastor John literally, when I started playing that, stood up, put his hands up as if he was worshiping. It was literally the most charismatic I've ever seen Pastor John in my life. So you might want to question him on that, but he certainly does love his, um, love his Elvis. Now, our color today is blue. Is blue, when you think of blue and you think of this song, is that a negative feeling or a positive feeling? Is it a negative feeling or a positive feeling? Okay. I, I'm hearing a little bit of both, but I'm hearing a lot of uh, negative. Well, to me, and if you know this song, it is a negative emotion. It is a, and, and when you, you hear uh, someone say the phrase, I'm feeling the blues, it, it doesn't mean like they're really happy and not they're really excited. The emotion uh, and the color that go together really is one of loneliness or sadness, or actually, it, it even could go as far as depression. And so I'm just going to shoot straight this. I wasn't looking forward to preaching this, but I know I needed to. Because the truth is, many have a blue Christmas. But it's not just limited to Christmas, is it? Many of us struggle with this topic of loneliness, downcast. Um, the truth is, that, that in, I'm in and out of that in my own life, of, of feeling alone or lonely, feeling um, downcast. And the reality is, if you're taking notes, I want you to just write this down. Um, I want you to write down the word loneliness. You see, if you look this up on the internet, and because it's on the internet, it means it's true. You know that, right? <laughs> right? But I, I just want to look, what, what does the internet have to say about feeling blue? I literally just typed in the words feeling blue, and this is what it said. Feeling down, lonely, or even depressed. Feeling down, lonely, or even depressed. And then I just was curious. Have you ever wondered where certain sayings come from? And I, I, I thought that. I've never thought that about that one, but that was like, where does, where does um, feeling blue come from? And again, I turned to the internet, and because it's on the internet, it's true. Now, I actually think this is true, okay? It says, uh, uh, it says, where did this saying come from? The phrase comes from a custom, a custom among many old deep water sailing ships. If the ship lost a captain or any of its officers during its voyage, she would fly a blue flag and have a blue band painted along her entire hull when returning home to port. 
And so if that's true, or even if it's not true, it represents this whole idea. If, if one is, is in despair or feeling downcast or feeling isolated or feeling lonely, a blue flag was raised, and I wonder, and I don't want to see by hand, but I wonder how many of us would be flying a blue flag right now? How many of us, our holes would be painted blue right now, representing the fact that we feel disconnected, we feel isolated, we feel lonely, we feel downcast, or maybe perhaps even depressed? Now, I want to be clear on this, okay? Because you know Pastor Rob, he's always got about two hours worth of sermon material, and I'm allowed 30 minutes, and I always take 35, 36. But the reality is this. I want to make sure we hear this. If you are feeling lonely, not alone, because you know what? I I, I need to make sure I even differentiate those two words. We need to be alone sometimes, amen? Jesus himself in Mark 135 says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, went to a solitary place where there he prayed. There's many times where, you know, being alone is good, but being lonely is different because we could be in a room filled with 150 people and still feel lonely, Right? Lonely, the feeling of being lonely is not a sin. Someone needs to hear that. The feeling of being lonely is not a sin. And the extreme where this ends up ending up, if we don't deal with it, the feeling of being depressed or being depressed. Now listen to this, because many pastors disagree with this. Being depressed is not a sin. Choosing to stay there, maybe. Did you catch that? So I think that's really important, especially for those of you at home listening, wherever you're at. Some of you might be dealing with this topic. And that's why for almost two years during the pandemic, you've chosen to be in the four walls of your home. That doesn't make you a bad person. But staying there is something we need to deal with, amen? Because God does not want any of us Staying in the feeling of loneliness, despair, downcast, or even depression. Are you with me? So I want to make sure that I got that out of the way. So I studied this topic for about an hour and was looking at all sorts of articles, reading all sorts of information, and it found its way into my sermon. And then when I was putting it finally together, I took a lot of it out. I had all kinds of statistics, but the reality of it, it was really depressing. And the reality is you don't need to know all the statistics. You're living in a culture that you see it all around you. Amen? I mean, we don't have to be convinced that we deal with this not only in our own life or maybe in our own families or in our own church, but we deal with it in our culture of the United States of America. And here's the reality. It did not just show up in the last two years. Loneliness did not just show up in depression in the last two years during this pandemic, but we know For a fact, there's studies all over the place that the pandemic, what do you think, has increased loneliness or decreased loneliness? Increased depression or decreased depression? The numbers are staggering. The numbers will make you sick if you saw what has happened in the last almost two years in our our culture in this topic of loneliness and depression. And this is why we need to talk about it. This is why we need to put it on the radar. And then we get to work towards some some better colors towards the end there, you know? I'll give you a little hint. The red and the white are real positive. 
Next week is just a reality of some of the emotions that we deal with with greed, you know, around this time of Christmas. But this is something that we need to be aware of. So if you're listening at home and here, and you are raising that blue flag, I pray that you walk out of here more encouraged. I pray that you walk out of here with some tools that will inspire you, that you will turn that hopelessness into hope, that at least your mind will move a little bit. And for those of us that may not be struggling for, uh, with this at the moment, I want to tell you why you and I ought to be listening to this. One is, it's like the passage last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It started off with, be on your what? Be on your guard. So good that you said that. Be on your guard. And this is one of those areas that we need to be on our guard. We need to put it on our radars, radars, especially during the holiday season where it seems to magnify itself for a lot of different reasons that I could talk about. I'm choosing not to because we got just a shorter period of time. But the reality is those of us that maybe not be raising the blue flag, feeling depression or downcast or loneliness right now, we need to know there's a lot of people around us that are. The statistics say it, especially amongst two groups. Okay? It's across every generation, but there's two groups, especially during the pandemic, where it's significantly raised. One is our seniors, the 65 and above. Uh, I was just telling someone the other day, I, I don't know what the number is, I, 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 I forget, but it's close to something 25 plus people have passed away at West Valley Christian Church during the pandemic. None of them during, due to COVID. But I personally believe many of them could be connected with isolation. Whether you're used to coming to church, used to serving, used to being a part of a group, and then just told you got to stay. So our seniors, you know who the second group is? Okay, I, I, keep, I, I heard this first service too. A lot of, a lot of people say teens. And that's, that would have been my guess. And that, that has increased. It's not. It's our 20-somethings. And I'm not going to pick on them because they're in our, in our services, both services, but I'm going to tell you, they're the, ones, they're the ones that are just diehard mask wearers. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but there's a lot of fear amongst our 20-year-olds that isn't in any other generation, and that statistics say that. And, and, and part of that, then they therefore isolated and stayed in Instagram world and Facebook. Well, no, a 20-year-old would never go to Facebook, but, you know, whatever all that other stuff is, Right? And that's not picking them, it's just reality. But the fact is, the reason you and I need to listen to it, even though we may not personally be dealing with it, is a lot of people are around us and we need to have compassion. Instead of frustration, instead of anger or ignorance, we need to have compassion with this topic. Because in some cases, it's killing us. All right? How exciting is that? Wow. Wow. So literally, I had to stop. I had to stop reading the articles. I had to stop looking at all the statistics because I was finding myself depressed. Social isolation is real, one article said. The pain of disconnection and loss of community can feel like being locked into a cage. Right now, with social distancing and our world in chaos, loneliness is growing. When we feel lonely, we often feel a bit downhearted. And then unchecked, we end up discouraged. And then unchecked, depressed, hopeless. I, 
I'm a little bit more prepared this service. Last service, I got to this point in the message and just about lost it. Because I don't realize how much this is still a problem in my heart. And I'm going to confess that to you. Because you need to hear that. I'm just as human as you guys, amen? And um, on my notes, it says, Dad. I'm really passionate about this because of my own father. My father, highly intelligent man. Mensna guy, you know, off the chart, incredibly successful, drove the Porsche, the Cadillac, had the nice back, you know, back, all the stuff. And I lost it all, lost it all uh, in the 80s. And with that, you've heard me say this, I lost him in some ways. I mean, he's still alive. But um, fell into some pretty deep depression, and I'm a senior in high school, and I just watched this happen. And the truth is, he never rebounded from it. So out of that, you know, many years of, of, of stuff, um, ended up a, a third divorce, third failed marriage, eight kids between the three marriages, and my dad hid he, he chose to hide. And please, if you live there, sorry, I'm sure it's special, but he went to Victorville-ish. Now, Victorville, it's Victorville. I'll just leave it there. And then there's kind of a bedroom community outside of Victorville called Apple Valley, right? So that would be the armpit of the armpit. I did not make any friends in Victorville just now. And then, and then there's Lucerne Valley, the armpit of the armpit of the armpit. I mean, it is, it, is, it, is, it is isolation. So here's this highly incredible, successful, smart man that just chose to go hide in the desert. And I think, I don't know, maybe lived uh, there for 15 so years in complete isolation. Now, I could go out and see him, but he, he wouldn't make his way this way. And it's not because he's a bad man. He's an incredible man that loved his family. But loneliness had a grip on his heart. He died at 67 years old. We should be celebrating his birthday Tuesday. He died at 67 years old. Ironically, my mom died at the same age, 67, way too young. The death certificate would maybe say rheumatoid arthritis. It might say um, a myriad of things because he had so many things. But you know what that death certificate should have said he died of? loneliness. That's hard. That is hard to say. And that's why what I say today is coming from a place that's really personal. Because anytime I talk on this topic, I feel like I'm talking to my dad saying, please listen. Please listen. For those of you that are struggling with that, it's real. You're not a bad person as we're going to see. But there is an answer. There is an answer. So that's where I want to transition. I don't want to talk about that word anymore because the reality is we understand it. And some of you are living it. And some of us have lived it. But I want to transition from the first point of loneliness to the second point of a biblical example did you know this, this book is filled with people that were lonely? 
Did you know that? That's what's so amazing about this book. Not, not everything has a happy ending. Not everything that is done in this book is done right. And therefore, we could identify with it. I could talk to you about Jeremiah, the prophet that preached in so many ways in which God wanted him to do and nobody listened and he was just a man all by himself. I could talk to you about Job, you know, who lost everything and and the struggles of isolation and loneliness and depression that I think he felt. I I could talk to you about Elijah and after the great victory on Mount Carmel, taking on all the prophets of Baal and winning and calling fire down from heaven. He he went into isolation. He went into some feelings of depression. Jonah in the belly of the whale, don't you think he felt some loneliness and isolation? I mean, we could talk about all these people, but I'm going to look at David. King David. Did you hear that? King David. The highest position here on this earth he held. And yet I believe he dealt with the feeling of downcast feeling, uh, isolation, loneliness. And I've even gone on record as saying, and and many would disagree, and that's okay. I'm right. They're wrong. (laughs) I would say he was clinically depressed, David. Yet isn't this the guy that took on Goliath? Like, remember little shepherd boy taking on the sheep and feeding them? And and then all of a sudden, dad says, I want you to go to your brothers on the battle line. And he runs out there and he's excited about it. He thinks he's going to go feed them food. He sees that all of his brothers are cowards. He sees that, 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 that the whole Israel army is cowards. And he sees this big Goliath that's taunting them. And he goes, you know what? In his own brain, he's like, oh, God took care of me from saving me from a, a lion and a bear. Why? Well, this is nothing. And do you remember what that little teenage boy did with a slingshot and a few stones? He took on that which nobody else could because he and God could do it. And then he went over to that giant after he hit him in the forehead with a rock and he, and he held his head up like, look what we did. That's the guy we're talking about. We're talking about a guy that, that had hundreds and thousands of men fall underneath his leadership and he brought him into battle in victory after victory after victory. We're talking about the man that the Bible says, David is a man after God's own David is a man after God's own heart. I superhero man, right? But this same guy committed some of the quote-unquote biggest sins a person could commit. This same guy fell time and time again. This same guy struggled with every emotion you can imagine, including the negative ones. Read the book of Psalms. You will see his heart of joy and his heart of pain throughout the Psalms. So part of his life and part of his pain was this guy named Saul, right? And Saul was chasing him for most of David's life as he's transitioning to be king. And and Saul, there's so many insecurities there and reasons, but he's on the run from this guy, Saul. And we're going to turn to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 24. And there's so much before this and so much after this. But I just want to get at the core of what we're talking about here today. 1 Samuel chapter 24 says, after Saul, verse 1, Returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the, in the desert. So Saul took 3,000 able men from all of Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the, the crags of the, the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. And a what was there? And the cave was there. And Saul, this is weird. Saul went into the cave to what? Relieve himself. 
Okay. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, ha, 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 this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Gosh, David, all this can be done now. He's over there peeing. You can get him now. And David, David took the high road. Then David crept up and what? He cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And there's a whole reason for that, and you can read that later. But the point of this awkward passage, for a pastor to bring it up, is where was David? Where was David? He was hiding. In a what? I'm a visual person. And I look at that story, and I just go, yeah. Yeah. Fast forward to 2021. I don't think a whole lot of people are hiding in caves today. But they're hiding in four walls. They're hiding in a bed. They're hiding in their job. The list goes on, doesn't it? Does that break your heart? Because it breaks mine. And I think I told you why. It gets a little personal for me. I don't want the devil to win in this area. The feelings are not bad. Choosing to stay there is where we have the problem. Because it's a slippery slope that doesn't end pretty. I believe, I believe, this is me, my opinion, I believe David is experiencing one of his loneliest moments on this earth when he's in the cave. Psalms 142, if you could turn there with me. Here's some of David's words as he's in that cave. He says, now listen to this, and some of you may just need to close your eyes and just feel like you're in this cave and listen to the, key, the words and the heart and the emotion of what he's sharing. Some of you just go ahead and read this. But David says, I cry out loud to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for what? For mercy. I pour out before him my complaints. Before him, I tell him my what? My trouble. My spirit grows faint within me. It is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk before, or the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. <laughs> Look and see. Look and see, there's nobody. There's no one at my right hand and no one is what? No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen for my cry, for I am desperate in need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison. Doesn't sound like a man that is downcast? Doesn't this sound like a man that feels like he's isolated? Doesn't it sound like maybe he's even struggling with depression? I look at some of these phrases and I'm like, wow, I look for mercy. I pour out before you my complaint. I have trouble within my spirit. Nobody's on my right. Nobody cares about me. 
I am desperately in need. And then that phrase, set me free from what? Set me free from my prison. Someone that struggles with loneliness, the blues, depression today, don't you think they can say the same words? Set me free. This is too hard. This is too painful. Remember, if you're not dealing with it, why are we listening? So we could have compassion for that person that is feeling this emotion that we may not be feeling. That we may be able to take a deep breath and come alongside and love instead of come alongside and give a talking to, like we really want to do in some cases. Or to walk away from. Instead, we walk towards. My heart hurts for David in this psalm. And my heart hurts for people who are experiencing their own caves today. No one cares for my life should not be the thought on anyone's heart. Remember Job last week, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Doesn't that speak of isolation? Doesn't that speak of loneliness? I told you, Joseph at the bottom of a whale, Jonah at the bottom of the bottom of the belly of a whale, Elijah after his great victory in Mount Carmel, Jeremiah. These are all people that are real. Heroes of faith in some cases that you find in Hebrews chapter 11. Again, for us to feel these feelings does not make us a bad person. But for us to choose to stay there is not a good choice. Huh. Loneliness is real. Now listen to this. Loneliness is real, but God is bigger. Loneliness is real, but God is bigger. Which leads me to my third point. God is the answer. God is the answer to our downcastness, to our loneliness, to our despair, to our depression. I love this. One, one commentary said this this week, loneliness is being unaware of the one who is with us everywhere. Loneliness is being unaware of the one who is with us everywhere. Here's what I could promise you. I could promise you God is with you always. I can't promise you a spouse. I can't promise you a child. I can't promise you a job. I can't promise you a friend. I can't promise you a path. I can't promise you all those things. And the world can't promise you those things. And by the way, those things are good. Right? Those things are good. But what I could promise you is God is always there. Did I talk to you about my thoughts on medicine and depression? Yes? No? Okay. In this service, right? I haven't? I did last service. All right. Here, this is really important especially throughout the pandemic, but it's happened all throughout my ministry. People have come into my office and they've shared and talked and then you can always tell there's like something more on their heart and they say, well, pastor, there's actually something I'd like to say. And oftentimes it's prefaced with, I still hope you think I'm okay or I hope you love me or whatever. And the words following are this, pastor, I just wanna let you know, I take depression medicine. What do you think? Here's this pastor's answer. You ready? I say good. If you struggle with that, that's fine, but hear me out. I say good. 
I said, if that helps you balance the chemicals in your body to get to a place that it acts as a bridge to the point where you don't need that, But if we're just dependent on it and we're not having, it's, we don't see it as a goal to get across the bridge, that's a whole nother thing. But if we're using it to help us to be in a place where we can be strong enough to cross that bridge to where we don't need it anymore, I say it's okay. Are you hearing my heart on that? So when we're talking about God is the answer, that's, that's the end of the bridge. That's where we want to, we don't want to be reliant on alcohol. We don't want to be reliant on drugs. We don't want to be reliant on relationships. We don't want to be reliant on success. A lot of the things that the world strive for to deal with loneliness. We want to be where God wants us to be and that's with him. Amen. So God is the answer. answer. Psalms 142, when we read all the things that he was sharing, David said, I cry at verse one, I cry aloud to the Lord. So David knew where he needed to go. Even though he didn't feel God, even though he was ticked at God, maybe he was disappointed with God, he still knew where to go even in his despair. I cry out to the Lord. Everyone, even in his darkest moments, David knew where to turn. Psalms 139, listen to this. You, in verse one, you have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my laying down. You are familiar with my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in from behind and before and you lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Then he goes on in verse 13. For you created my most inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Here's the reality. God is for you, not against you. The creator of this earth and the creator of our souls loves us. And even when we feel like we're being abandoned by him, he is right there. He is right there. And he wants to to hold you. He wants to love up on you. He wants to reassure you that you are not alone even though you feel like it. And he validated that by looking around heaven and he sent his one and only son down to this earth to come alongside of us so we could see Jesus, God in the flesh. And then that Jesus died a horrific death on the cross. You wanna know what loneliness is? You interview Jesus after the nails are put through his body. You want, to enter, you want to know loneliness when Jesus says, after having my sins on his heart, your sins on his heart, the sins of every person on this earth, on his heart, he looks to heaven and says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's loneliness. When the creator of this world even had to have his back turned to Jesus because of the sin. So when we deal with this feeling, Jesus understands it. So no person better to deal with our depression or loneliness with Jesus Christ himself.
So what does that look like? One, what, what, what is, what is uh, God is the answer? Turn to God is, is the first part of that. The doors of hell, C.S. Lewis said, the doors of hell are locked from the inside. Chew on that for a second. The doors of hell, the doors of hell are locked from the inside. Pastor, John, or Pastor Greg and I were talking and, and he, had, he had quoted that to me on, on something and we engaged in conversation. It doesn't really matter if C.S. Lewis Hart was literally talking about literal hell or the hell here on this earth and all that stuff. The truth is, C.S. Lewis was all about free will, free choice. I'm all about free will, free choice. I praise God that he has given me free will. Sometimes I wish he would force things <laughs> on you. <laughs> but now read that. The doors of hell are locked from the inside. That simply means the hell that you and I find ourselves in, we have the choice to get out of it. We have the choice to get out of it. Even in the darkest of depression. Even in the depths of the, the cave of darkness that Dave, David felt, he still chose to cry out to God, even though it didn't make sense to him. Yeah, I'm preaching to my dad right now. I had a man walk out of here. He just waited for me to talk to one person after another. He just kept standing there. Finally, I went up to him and said, is there something you want to say? He says, it's because of your sermon that I'm here. Not, not literally my sermon, the topic. He goes, I have no blood family on this earth and I was struggling with loneliness and my, I remember my mom saying, whenever I struggle with loneliness, go find a church. He said, I drove by this church for years. One day I pulled in. This guy's been an active part of our church for five plus years. And he says, I don't have blood family, but I have a family. That was a choice because he could have stayed in the cave. Turn to God. Secondly, desire God. Psalms 42 says, as a deer panteth for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for you. Thirdly, shoot straight with God. Part of it is just be honest with God, with your pain, with your questions, with your anger, with your feelings, with your sin, with your praise. That's what David did all throughout Psalms, didn't he? It doesn't have to be pretty and have a nice little bow and sound all religious. God just sees a lot of our hearts sometimes when we're just trying to make it sound pretty and go, just shoot straight with me, I'm big enough. That's what David did. Psalms 42, verses three through six, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. And then you get all the way to verse six, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Ramon. God, David is modeling for us. This is just him being real before God. And God has big enough shoulders to handle it. Which leads us to the last point, trust God. Sometimes, if, uh, instead, I love this, sometimes instead of listening to ourselves, we need to talk to ourselves. Did you catch that? Sometimes instead of listening to ourselves, we need to talk to ourselves. We need to preach the gospel to our own self. We need to quote the truths of scripture to our own selves. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll make your path straight. Did that give you anything to chew on? More importantly, did God give you anything to chew on? 
Let's not fly the blue flag of loneliness, despair, and depression over our lives. The feeling is real, but God is bigger. Turn to God, desire God, shoot straight with God, and trust God. I want to close. I'm a visual person. This is um, a bucket filled with water. This is an ornament, if you didn't pick it up. (laughs) This is a great ornament, a gift from us to you with a key verse this year. That's the only reason why that's up here. I have a rock and a sponge. If I dip this rock into this water, you won't necessarily be able to tell, but it's changed colors. The outside has changed completely to a different color, but the inside remains what? It remains the same. But what's different with a sponge is if I immerse a sponge into that same water and I leave it in there just for a period of time, the whole thing has been impacted. Every pore of this sponge from the inside out is changed. This sermon, you could approach it as a rock and just have some outside cute stuff or you could be a sponge and let this thing transform you. God wants us to be a sponge. That is what is gonna give you victory over loneliness and despair. Father, thank you. Hmm, this is hard. But someone needs to hear this. May this give them power and strength to turn the corner on this difficult topic. Thank you for not leaving me alone. Thank thank you for not leaving us alone. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.